Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Starting a new series today called Viral. And I must preface it with the events of the past 12 hours of my life. I went to bed last night with a completely different sermon prepared to preach. I'm ready for next week. (laughs) When my head hit the pillow last night, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, that's not the message you're supposed to preach tomorrow. And I I, I just shook my head. I laid on my pillow and I just shook my head. And I thought, oh Lord, here we go. And God does this to me every once in a while. Those of you that know me, you know I'm a very planned person. And when it comes to my sermons, I'm, I, I like to have the details of that done <laughs> in advance. And so I woke up this morning, and I didn't hesitate. I, I got in the shower fairly quick and um, got to the office. And I just sat down at my desk, and I began to pray. And I said, okay, God, if, if I obey you, you've got to give me something. Um, because... What I felt like God was telling me was that if you want them to understand my love, then you've got to go back to the beginning where I first poured my love out. And so today, I just want to be obedient to God. This might be the worst sermon that you have ever heard in your life. And... um, the good thing for you is I've already preached it once, so I got to practice on first service. We'll see how it goes this service. Today we do begin a series, and this, this, this sermon that I believe God has given me, it is still a part of this series. I just believe it's what God wanted to be the first part of this series, and it prepares us for Easter. We're four weeks away from Easter. Can you believe that? Four weeks away from Easter. And my prayer for this series is that it will ignite a passion in us to see souls saved and give us an urgency to go after Christ. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but the the staff and I, we we really have an urgency this year to see souls saved. We have have hit the ground running in January, and we've we've always had an emphasis on that here. It's one of the core values here at, at Destiny Community Church to, to help people discover a relationship with Christ. But there's something different about this year. And we really, really believe God is calling us to give people opportunity and to lead people to opportunities to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. During the first eight weeks of this new year, just in this room, not counting other ministries, youth, children, any other small group or anything, just in this room during the first eight weeks of this year, we have witnessed 38 salvations. 38 salvations. That's, that's amazing. That's amazing. I was sharing that with a pastor the other day, and I was excited about what God was doing. And, and I told him, I said, man, and, and you know, we've seen 38 salvations. And he said, we haven't seen 38 salvations in 10 years. And I was like, Debbie Downer, man, come on, bro. Celebrate with me, you know, don't. But it breaks my heart, though. It does. It breaks my heart because that's what we're called to do, right? We're called to to, to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus. The definition of viral, I'm going to give you two definitions of viral today. The first one is is hundreds of years old. I mean, we, we, we all know this one. Of 
relating to are caused by a virus. Like a viral infection. The second definition is fairly new. Now, for those of you that are in middle school and high school, you're, you've, you've grown up with the word viral, meaning something completely different than the way that we grew up. Um, for you, this is just a part of life. For us, for those of us that may be a little bit older, we're having to relearn the definition of viral. So when you say the word viral, it's starting to click. And you can teach an old dog new tricks. And we're, we're starting to catch on with it. But this second definition is fairly new. Quickly and widely spread or popularized, especially by means of social media or the internet. Like a viral post or a viral video or a viral hashtag. The one thing that both of these definitions have in common is that both embrace contagiousness. Viral infections and viral videos, they both spread easily. Growing up, there was a song that I heard that embodies the message of what I want to share today. In 1966, Sherwood Schwartz read an article in the Los Angeles Times. And the article that he read it had a sentence in there that grabbed a hold of him, and, and here's what it said. 30% of marriages in the United States have a child or children from a previous marriage. 30% of marriages in the United States have a child or children from a previous marriage. And this was in 1966. And this statement alone caused this man, Sherwood Schwartz, to pen some beautiful, heartfelt lyrics that changed my life. I grew up on this song. And here's the words to the song that he wrote. Here's a story of a lovely lady <laughs> who was bringing up three very lovely girls. All of them had hair of gold like their mother, the youngest one, and curls. Don't you just feel it? <laughs> Second verse. Here's the story of a man named Brady who was busy with three boys of his own. They were four men living all together, yet they were all alone. Heartbreaking, isn't it? Man. Till the one day when this lady met this fellow and they knew that it was much more than a hunch that this group must somehow form a family and that's the way we became the Brady Bunch the Brady Bunch the Brady Bunch that's the way we became the Brady Bunch I was starting to question God because you weren't singing back. <laughs> to watch this family grow and extend love to one another was nothing short of amazing. Even though it was scripted, it was a miracle. Mike, Carol, Peter, Greg, Bobby, Marsha, Jan, Cindy. To watch them grow to love each other 
it was, it was something spectacular to watch this family blend. And it didn't stop there. No, they had a housekeeper named Alice. And they loved Alice. Alice loved the butcher, but they loved Alice. And the boys had a dog, and his name was Tiger. And they all loved Tiger. Here's just a fun fact for you. It's useless, but it's fun. Did you know in the, in the pilot episode, the very first episode, the girls had a cat named Fluffy? It never made it to episode two. We don't know what happened to Fluffy. I know what happened to Fluffy. God's love is not extended to cats. I understand that. As a child, I, I really did. I, I loved watching the Bradys grow as a family. And at first, if you remember the early episodes, at first the children were reluctant. But their love for one another, it began to grow. And the love that flowed through the Brady household, it went viral. They all caught it. And, and they all ended up loving each other and living happily ever after. Today I want to show you how the love of God toward us how the love of God towards us is viral. It really is. It's viral. And I believe this is what God wants me to show you today. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. I want to start reading at verse 14 and I'll read through 19. Ephesians chapter 3 verses 14 through 19. And Paul writes these words. He says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit and in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Our focus verse today is verse 18, where Paul said, I want you to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. It is easy for those of us who have been raised in church to come to a conclusion that since the beginning of humanity, God has always extended his love to us. It's easy for us that have been around church our whole lives to understand that God, since the beginning, has extended His love to us. I've preached it many times. I'm sure I'll preach it again in the future. It is something that we've become accustomed to, that, that since the beginning, God has extended His love to us. But what if I told you that that was not necessarily the case? That that's not exactly how it went down. We'll get back to that in just a moment. Many of us have felt like there is something in our lives that disqualifies us from the love of God. In, in a church this size, in a room this large with this many people in, in the room, there's no doubt that there's some of you that walked into this room today and you feel like there's something in your life that disqualifies you from the love of God. I mean, with, with your life and the path that it's been down, how could a loving God possibly extend His love to you? How could a holy God a God that knows no sin, how could he possibly extend his love to you? Because we believe sometimes that there's something that rules us out. 
Like we're not allowed to be included in that number because there's something in our lives that rules us out. Maybe it was a wrong moral track record. We made some mistakes along the way. We've done some, some things that we're not proud of. And so it, it's this track record that keeps us from belonging there. Or, or, or how about the, the wrong background? Maybe, maybe the heritage that you come from. Maybe you're of the wrong pedigree and you don't feel like you belong as part of the family of God. Or, or maybe it's some family history, some history that, that even in your household, you don't talk about. You don't talk about it with your siblings. You don't talk about it with your parent, parents because there's some stuff that happened. There's some stuff that went down and it just makes you feel less, uh, less, less uh, likely of a candidate to receive God's love upon your life. It's easy to fall into the trap of believing that your past, your history, your heritage has rendered you unlovable by such a holy God. But have you ever been to an event that you knew that you just did not belong at? You knew that you were not meant to be there? I remember when Andrew and Deanna, Pastor Andrew and Deanna, when they planned their wedding, they planned to get married in the Keys. I'll never go to the Keys again. It's not because I don't like the keys. I, I enjoyed it once you get there, but it takes forever and a day to get there. It is such a long ride. And, and once you get past Orlando, it just seems like there's nothing. There's nothing. And, and I remember Mandy and I, we were driving down for their wedding. It was, I think, about six months after we, we launched Destiny. And, and so we're, we're driving to the Keys, and, and we get somewhere near Miami. We're, we're somewhere in Miami. Now listen, if you're from Miami, I don't want you to be offended by this because I'm sure the place I'm about to describe is not where you're from, okay? I'm, I'm positive of that. But we get out of the car, we wanted to grab a quick lunch, and we get out of the car at, at this McDonald's right off the interstate, and I have no idea on what side of where we're at in, Orlando, in, in uh, Miami, but, but we're there. And, and we walk inside, and, and I don't think anything of it. Now, I don't want this to offend anyone, but, but just hear me out, because I'm sure you've been in a similar situation. I have no problem at all fitting in with my black brothers and sisters in Christ. Not at all. Even before I had black brothers and sisters in Christ, I had black brothers who were teammates on a basketball team. And, and one of those years, I was the only white kid on that basketball team. I have no problem with that at all. But we walk up to the counter in this McDonald's and I look around and everyone behind the counter is black. Everybody sitting in the restaurant is black. And I have no problem with that at all until all of them start looking at us like we're lunch. And I'm like, what is going on here? And cars are slowing down outside and staring inside. I'm thinking, they done called everybody. Oh my Lord, we're about to get killed right here. And I just squeezed Mandy's hand and I said, let's don't order, we need to leave. And she's like, but I'm hungry. <laughs> and I said, no, we, we need to go get in the car. Let, let's, let's just go to the car. But what are we going to do about lunch? Mandy, just go get in the car, okay? And so we, we get to the car, we get in, and she, she's still oblivious to it. She has no idea, just, just ignorant to everything that was happening. And I said, babe, it was not the right atmosphere. We did not belong there. Okay, and, and I really think it had less to do about about race and it had a whole lot to do with they just look like they're not from here. Okay, 
And so we get back in the car and I was like, oh Lord, I don't know what was about to happen, but thank you God for saving our lives because I felt like we were, we were in danger. We definitely did not belong on that side of Miami, okay? We did not belong there. That happens sometimes in the kingdom of God. It, it especially happens with us. No matter what, what your race is, no matter what your background is, we all have just baggage and stuff that we carry around sometimes. And, and, and when we get to the Old Testament, there's, there's certain phrases and there's certain verses in the Old Testament that, that if we're not careful, we'll start reading them and we'll think, I don't belong here. This is not speaking to me. I don't belong here. And, and, and if you're not careful, it will skew the way that you look at God. And, and, and I think that's what God wants us to look at today. I think God wants you. He wants me to understand. And, and this morning at 530, uh, 6 o'clock, he was, he was pouring into me and, and helping me understand his love a little bit more than I understood it before. And so I, I really want us just to look at it really quick and just... Just see where we belong in this whole thing of God's love. You see, in Genesis chapter 12, when, when you read this, you understand that God chose Abraham as the man that he wanted, God wanted to be in covenant with. God made promises to Abraham that he would bless him and he would bless his descendants. So out of all of the people on the planet, God said, I want to bless Abraham. Abraham. Abraham is the man that I choose. He is the one I want to be in covenant with. And as he always does, God lives up to his word because the Bible says he's not a man that he should lie. So if God says it, it's going to happen. It's going to come to pass. And so God lived up to his word and, and the love of God that was extended to Abraham was also extended to Abraham's son, Isaac, and, and then to Abraham's grandson, Jacob. And, and, and then Jacob had 12 sons. And this is where God's love begins to go viral. This is where we see it in humanity and God's love begins to go viral because God extended his love to the 12 tribes of Israel, which are the descendants of the 12 sons of Jacob. And God's love begins to, to spread throughout them. Listen to what he said in Deuteronomy chapter seven, verses six through eight. He said, for you are a people holy to the Lord, your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. You hear that? Out of all the people on the face of the earth, I choose you. Out of all the people, I choose these people, the Hebrews. I choose you, Israel. He goes on in verse 7 and says, It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you were the fewest of all peoples. But it is, it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers. You hear that, right? These thousands of Hebrews, these Israelites, thousands of them, God is choosing to set them free because God is living up to his promise that was made to a man named Abraham. Everything that these people experience being in bondage and, and being delivered from slavery in Egypt, they experienced that all because God loved a man named Abraham enough to go into covenant with him and say, your descendants, I am going to extend my love to your descendants. And so in keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers, that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Then you go to, to Amos chapter 3 and verse 2. 
And speaking about Israel, the Jewish nation, he says, you only have I chosen of all the families of the earth. You, you are the one out of everybody that populates this planet. I choose you, Israel. Now, this can be a little discouraging for us today. If I just end this sermon right here, you're walking out of this room depressed and not even sure where you fit in in God's love. You don't even see where in the grand scheme of things, if I just end this right here, you have no idea how God's love reaches you. And so it could be discouraging. It could leave us depressed. Where does God's love, His grace, His mercy, is it only reserved for the Jews? Because I know God loves Israel. I know that. I cannot deny that. But if we just leave it right there, then it's absolutely going to ruin our Sunday afternoon. But then we get over to the New Testament. And when you start looking closely, you start seeing this glimmer of hope for us, the Gentiles. For most of us in the room, if not all of us, that we're not Jewish, we're Gentiles. And God starts revealing his plan. In John chapter 4, Jesus goes near the well of Jacob in Samaria. It's there that Jesus encounters the Samaritan woman. And, and you have to understand that, that Jews, they did not like the Samaritans because the Samaritans were half-Jews. That means either their, their mom was Jewish or their dad was Jewish and, and the, the other parent was not a Jew. And, and so uh, Jesus comes to the well and, and he begins talking with this, this Samaritan woman. And, and in his conversation with her, he, he reveals to her that she can, can, has the, the, the ability to never thirst again if she will receive the living water that he has to offer. He wasn't talking about drinking water at all. He was talking about living water. If you will, will see me as your Savior, if you will view me as your Messiah, then I can give you a water and you will never thirst again. Now, now you have to understand to Jews this this is blasphemous. They are not supposed to have fellowship with a Samaritan. Samaritans, being half Jews, it would almost be like this. And, 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 and please hear me out. Don't, don't get offended by this. But this is how Jews looked at them. They, they were half-breeds. They, they, it would almost be like you would look at, at a dog that is a mutt. That's how the Jews looked at the Samaritans. And so for Jesus to have this conversation with this woman, to speak to her at all, much less offer her living water, this, this was beyond anyone's capability uh, to comprehend. How could he do this? But, but you know what's great about, about God? is sometimes lo location has nothing to do with everything. Sometimes location has everything to do with it. Because I know that God can save a person wherever they're at. It can be right here in this service. It can be near an altar. It can be in the car ride home. God can arrest a person's heart at any moment. But it is not by coincidence that God chose for, for, to have a conversation with a Samaritan woman at a, at a well that Jacob dug nearly 1,900 years earlier. Because you have to remember Jacob. Jacob was a cheat. He was a liar. He lied to his own father to receive a birthright and a blessing. He was a cheat and he was a liar. But God loved him enough not to leave him in that condition. And God said, I want to arrest your heart. I want to change your life. And he changed his life. And, and he put him on a different path. And because of that, he renamed him Israel, a prince. And, and, and so God changed the, the trajectory of his life and put him moving in a different direction. 
And then he meets with a woman 1,900 years later at a well that that same man dug and and says, I'm going to change your life and give you living water. You see, it was impossible for God to limit his love to one nation or to one group of people. God's love is too great for it only to be available for one group of people. Matthew 28 and 19 says, Jesus said these words. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. This is the great commission. When he was ending his earthly ministry, this is what he looked at his disciples and said, you go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I want you to reach out, Israel. I want you to go after all nations. In Acts 13 and 46, it says, Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly. We had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. In other words, we are, 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 are leaving the business of saving the Jews. We've done all we can do there. Now we're going after the Gentiles. Romans 1 and 16 For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek or to the Gentile. Yes, there is no doubt about it. God loved Abraham first. But God always starts a movement with one person. God always starts something big with the life of one small person. We saw that this past week with the funeral of Billy Graham. Reverend Billy Graham, what, I I mean, it's such an amazing ministry, an amazing life, but what God was able to do through one man and how it created an organization that, that floods this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the millions of people, God always starts with one, and he started his love with Abraham. What started as a desire to connect with one man, it then spread to his family, and then it went to a nation and eventually to the world. But you know, there were even glimpses of how uncontainable God's love is in the Old Testament. We, we saw it when, when, when God extended salvation to a prostitute by the name of Rahab. She lived in Jericho, and because she helped some of the, the Hebrew spies, God extended his grace to her and saved her from destruction. God sent Jonah to Nineveh, and, and, and those people repented, and 120,000 people were saved. Not Jews, but they were saved. The love of God went viral, and his love is too great for one race. One people cannot possibly sustain his need to love. Paul said, I want you, I want you to grasp How wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. Do you hear that? He said, I want you to understand how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. How wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ? I'll tell you. It's worldwide. It's worldwide. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God loved the world that, that much that he, he could not let it be contained. The Garden of Eden couldn't sustain it. One man's family could, could not hoard it. A nation in the Middle East could not control it. A cross couldn't kill it and a tomb could not contain it. God's love is the greatest force that humanity has ever come in contact with. And it's only through God's love that those walls will begin to tear down. How do we break the walls of racism? God's love. When God's love hits a wall of racism, it cannot stand. How do you, 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 you tear down the walls between social divide? How do you do that? You allow God's love to attack that. How do you let the walls that have been built in your family's home that separates husband and wife or, or children and parents, how do you let those walls come down? You let the love of God flood the, that home and it will tear down those walls because the greatest force that humanity has ever come in contact with is the love of God. Because nothing can contain the love of God. And God's love, it is viral. I grew up in a pastor's home. And from the day that I was born, my parents were serving God. And that seems like such an advantage to me. I don't have the background that some of you have. I hear your story sometimes and it breaks my heart. Because I don't know what it's like to have an alcoholic father. I don't know what it's like to have a cheating mom. I don't know what it's like to grow up in a sinful atmosphere. Not that our family was perfect. Man, we had our fair share of, of, of disaster, trust me. But on a day-to-day -day basis, I know that I was raised in an atmosphere that some of you cannot possibly comprehend. I listen to your stories and my heart breaks. And there's some of you that when I hear how you have allowed the love of God to, to flood your life and to bring forgiveness into your life, it inspires me. You have to realize that every Sunday morning of my life, I sat on a pew or in a chair and heard the gospel of Jesus Christ preached. Some of you, you can't comprehend that. That was life. That was normality for me. Was to be in church every Sunday morning, every Wednesday night, and if we were in revival, I would be there throughout the week also, and that happened many times in my father's churches. But you know, hearing the gospel every week, most of the time, twice a week, I still resisted the love of God. It was like I had built up an immunity to the love of God. And I resisted it. For 16 years of my life, hearing the gospel Week after week after week, I resisted the love of God, and I'll never forget that moment. And if you get tired of hearing me share this, then go find another church, because this is a life-changing moment for me. I'll never forget that moment when 92-year-old Morris Wiggins walked up to me. I was on the drums on the platform playing music in a church, but not serving God. 
He asked me, he said, son, aren't you tired playing games with God? Why don't you get up off these drums and come to the altar with me? And after 16 years of an immunity to the viral love of God, I finally let God's love penetrate my heart. And I've never been the same since. Because what happened to me is it caused me to want to become contagious. That what God did in me, I wanted Him to do that in you. That what God did in me, I knew that if I had been that stubborn and hard-headed, hearing it week after week after week and rejecting His love, I knew that if He could save me, then he certainly could save someone that their family did not put a priority on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Certainly he could do that. I don't know if I had an advantage or not. The truth is, at the cross, it's level ground. It doesn't matter how you were raised. It doesn't matter your race. I've told this story before. I'll tell it again. I remember leaving basketball practice one day. This particular year, there were two white guys on the basketball team. The other guy had a truck, and he was going to take me home. So we got, got in his truck, and some of our black teammates said, Hey, can you run us home? So about five or six of them jump in the back of the truck. That was in the days that you could actually ride in the back of the truck down the road when, you know, not get pulled over for it. And so they hop in the back of the truck, and we're heading to take them home and Gerald hits the top of the truck and says pull over right here and we pull into a pool hall dirt parking lot just a block building and we walk inside they, they tell us come on inside and I'm thinking I don't know if I want to go inside we walk inside and, and it was so funny to me I, this is how I remember it I don't know if it actually happened like this or not but this is what I remember I remember there being music playing and then you hear like the record scratch when the two white guys walk in the room. And it's like, and all eyes were on us. And I was scared. And I remember Gerald, six foot five, six foot six, Gerald. He looked at those men in that room and said, it's okay. They're with me. Everybody went back to playing pool. The, the music started back, and it was, it, was, it was like a great scene in a movie. It, it, it absolutely saved my life. I feel like it saved my life. You don't have to be a Jew. When God's love went viral, you don't have to be a Jew. You just got to know the right Jew. His name is Jesus Christ. And when you stand before God, if you stand before God, and you're standing there carrying all of your sin, you will be judged for that. But if the right Jew, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is standing beside you and says, it's all right, he's with me, you get to enter into the joys of the Lord. This series, I'm praying that God 
convicts our hearts. We must become contagious. And I believe that God leading us into Easter is going to prepare our hearts for a great harvest. This is a year of salvations for this church. God is already proving himself faithful over that. I know that God is going to use his people to do some amazing things. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.